You can't beat the sound of a contented cat. That's why veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Because he knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. And our premium cat food is designed to satisfy even the most finicky eaters. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sectarianism. It's a word we use a lot. One of the gates of Belfast's so-called peace wall was lit up with fire from both sides. The fact that it was sectarian violence and there was large groups on both sides, um, again, is something that we have not seen for uh, a number of years. According to the dictionary, it's a narrow-minded adherence to a particular sect, often leading to conflict with those of different sects or possessing different beliefs. It's maybe a lesser used word in the English language, except here in Northern Ireland, where it's a word in constant use. It is a sad reality that sectarianism and segregation remain endemic in our society. And what we've had over the summer is poke a unionist in the eye from Sinn Féin. Two charged after alleged sectarian hate crime. Flags ripped down. Election candidates sharing or liking sectarian content. Keep Irish out. Flags commemorating paramilitaries. The list goes on and on. Sectarianism hasn't gone away. But Northern Ireland can seem like a zero-sum game. What's good for one side is seen as catastrophic for the other. Can it ever go away? Can it get better or are we just stuck with it? Well, to try and get to grip with those questions, I'm joined by political journalist Aoife Moore and political activist Richard Garland. So, first things first, I think we need to get right down to the nub of the matter. How do you define sectarianism? Richard, can I ask you first, what is sectarianism in your book? I, I think sectarianism is, is it's a difficult concept to define um, because simply because it's so wide and it expresses itself in so many forms in so many ways. There's conscious, there's unconscious, there's um, there's covert, overt, there's um, there's all sorts of different types. It, it, it ranges ever, from people's attitudes right up to their actions, their perceptions. Um, there's, you know, stereotype and everything can be a part of it. I, and I think that we've kind of got a... De- an understanding in Northern Ireland that it that it's um, that it's 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 just about about hatred of the other community or hate hatred of of some of somebody who's different. But sometimes it can be someone who steps outside the kind of lines of their own community. If somebody's like seen as being out of step with their own community, they are then labelled Lundy, uh, a, a West Brit, or or, or 
There's numerous different different derogatory terms that are currently doing the rounds. Interestingly, the PSNI definition of sectarianism is pretty much limited to other communities. And I just don't think that the definition we're using or the, the, the generally people kind of have come to know in Northern Ireland thoroughly encompasses all the different aspects of it. So we've seen a lot of, you know, high profile incidents in recent weeks. But I, I think that, you know, and, and while there shouldn't be a knee jerk to that, because a lot of times we, we'll see things in the news just by chance. We won't, some things won't be reported, some things will. Aoife, we heard Richard saying there that this is a very large concept. It's a very wide ranging concept. Uh-huh. Um, is there anything you disagree with Richard on there? Or, or would you have a similar understanding of sectarianism or a different experience of it? Yeah, I was just going to say this. I'm going to make for a very boring podcast because I agree with everything Richard says. Um, I think the the thing is with the North, um, sectarianism in the North is probably different from sectarianism anywhere else. You know, there's sectarianism in places like India and Pakistan, but the way it kind of manifests itself in the North it is very different. And as as Richard said, it's not just religion; it's cultural. And I think the thing for us people um, in Northern Ireland, you know, from whatever community you come from when it comes to sectarianism, whether it's overt or it's covert, you know what when you see it. And for other people who aren't brought up here and who haven't lived where we have lived, even the most benign things, you know when you see it that that is sectarian. Um, and I think, you know, I, one of the funniest, if not the funniest and tra- most tragic things about the North is, you know, we have the ability to politicize anything. <laughs> um, so certain colours, certain music, certain bands, certain sport... Um, certain places where you go on holidays um, across the north, you know, is is completely segregated in certain ways. Um, so I think sectarianism, as Richard said, it can be a myriad of things. And I suppose the traditional sense of sectarianism is that it's based in religion. But because in the north, religion, your religion is so much part of your culture as well. You know, I have a lot of friends now who, you know, in my community, who might have been brought up Catholic and they say that they don't believe in God, but they recognize themselves as a cultural Catholic and what they mean by that is they don't believe in God but they might play GAA and they might listen to trad music and it's the same in loyalist communities like you know many people wouldn't go to church anymore may not believe in the organized religion but they still very much identify as a Protestant as a Presbyterian so I think a big part of sectarianism in the north is is a cultural thing as well and it's the exclusion of the other community from what you consider your culture that's something you said, Aoife, that's brought some to mind there. I think, you know, we always, you know, unique to Northern Ireland. It reminds me of a conversation I had lo- recently with someone from Switzerland who said, will Northern Ireland ever get rid of sectarianism? And I said, well, will Switzerland ever get rid of cantons? You know, uh, we assume this is, you know, this concept uh, is, is, is unique. And yet a country like Switzerland is divided up politically into four different language groups and four mm-hmm. different areas and, you, you know, with each each with their own polity in order to preserve their cultural diversity and their culture. So in a sense, in a sense, this these sort of dynamics happen many, in many places. For example, it, Northern Italians and Southern Italians have a famous antipathy for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of the problems, for example, here you can find maybe in the Basque Country or Corsica or Catalonia, etc. So I just wonder maybe are we sometimes being very hard on ourselves, believing that our problems are entirely unique? 
No, I don't think we're being hard on ourselves at all. Um, when we look at the divisions across Northern Irish society, you know, 93% of the children in Northern Ireland go to a segregated school. Um, 94% of the public housing in Belfast is segregated by religion. So we're not being too hard on ourselves. We are not doing enough. And in the last 12 months, the PSNI figures show that sectarian incidents are rising. So this is not the time to get complacent and say this happens in the Basque country and this happens in Corsica or whatever, because we are not separating children from four years old. And then that is, I have absolutely no doubt, feeding sectarian incidents. The reason sectarianism has not died a death after the Good Friday Agreement is because the children that we are bringing up do not go to to integrated schools. Well, I think we could come back to integrated schools because we know there's been report after report on integrated schooling, and I think that's something we could we could we could we could talk about again because there are practical issues, of course, that we that we do know. Um, uh, but again, we've we've spoken an awful lot about the very wide definition, Richard, and. I wonder, I wonder, do we overuse the word sectarian when what, what we really mean are political and cultural differences and distinctions and diversity? I think there's times we use the term sectarianism when it's not appropriate, but there's other times when we when we don't use the word sectarianism when it needs to be used. I think a lot of times we're so we're so kind of in and set in our ways that we don't even recognize that some of our own behaviors. And I think it's important. You know, it's not it's not a weakness to acknowledge that we have underlying underlying biases. We have you know we we see things from our own perspective. So we won't always recognize whenever somebody else is somebody in our own community maybe is being sectarian. We might we might see it in another community. We won't see it in our own. Um, you know, one thing that particularly struck me, and I, I know I don't know, you know, if you can edit this out if it if it I'm not if it's not appropriate. But one thing that that struck me was um was about you know we we saw a flag being taken down, a lot of a lot of a reaction to that, and I felt the reaction to that too, and and I suppose a lot of where where I saw where I felt the reaction was about you know seeing people cheering when it was took down. That that kind of it bothered me. It it it, it kind of upset me that that there's still maybe that level. But but then I started thinking about you know. Every year on the eleventh night, how many how many tricolors do we burn? How many people are cheering when those tricolors set light? And I just kind of think it's you know we're not doing enough. We're not we you know people are too afraid to to call this stuff out. People are afraid of being labelled Lundy's traitors. They're afraid of getting death threats. They're afraid of getting put out of their own community for speaking out. And some people are in a very vulnerable position, and they're they're still bravely speaking out. And I respect that a lot. Um, but I, I think, you know, we need to put more effort into kind of recognising it from our own side. We need to not, you know, there's too many people making excuses going, okay, you know, we're going to we're gonna call, you know, we're going to say things like like Brett's out or we're going to say up there are, we're going to say, you know, Ari shout or whatever else. And we'll make excuses for it and we'll sit and go, oh, you know, well, I wasn't technically being sectarian. I was just talking about this. And it's like, but it has sectarian impact. It has an, an effect. And it's, it's. It's not just about our perception. It's not just about our motivation. It's about the perception of the person on the receiving end. So I'm just saying. I think it's it it's it's again. It's while there are times we'll over overuse the term. I think in general it isn't used enough. I think it's, it's like Aoife was saying there. The problem's bigger than than a lot of us kind of appreciate. It's getting bigger. It's you know. Those those statistics she's talking about the 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 crimes and incidents rising seventeen percent crimes have risen sixteen percent and that is a huge amount. The year before that there was a five percent rise. It's been rising steadily since 2018, 2019. and the ten years before that it was falling. So we need to look at the the wider circumstances that's 
leading to that. And it's not even about just the definition of it and trying to encompass that. It's about how do we deal with this problem and get it back under control. I know we're never, you're probably right, we're never going to eliminate it, but we have a lot of work to do and we need to start appreciating how serious this situation is. Levels, 16, 17% rise. And I know there's other there's other factors. COVID kind of ended, there's maybe, a, but that was the mid mid 2021 when the lockdowns ended. I'm not sure that we can afford to be complacent about this. Aoife, you know as a journalist, and I know as a journalist, sectarian incidents, whenever we report them and whenever we ask for comment for polit- from political parties, it, 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 the impression is always created that it's themons who are sectarian and that we, whoever we happen to be at the time, are the victims of sectarianism. Uh, I don't do, I don't. Is agree. that unfair? Yeah, I don't agree. I think politicians um, in the North have come on leaps and bounds when it comes to calling out um, sectarianism within their own ranks as well. I think they're pretty easy to um, dismiss it and say it was a mistake or it was an accident or, you know, and we see it a lot around elections, you know, people's old social media posts are dug up or people like the wrong thing. And there is there is an acknowledgement that it's wrong, which maybe we wouldn't have got 10, 20 years ago. So I do think politicians um, are getting better. But this is the thing for me. I think a lot of this, and it goes back to the statistics that Richard were talking about, about the 16% rise. The government needs to lead from the front. And we know that poverty and deprivation um, are always going to be factors when it comes to any kind of crime, including hate crime. You know, it is like, and we see it with racist incidents and whatever else, with poverty and deprivation, we will see a spike in those things. And we will also see, we need to remember that in the areas where sectarianism is heightened are not wealthy areas. It is the most deprivated areas in the North, and that goes for Republican and Loyalist areas. It is with those areas that you will find the most ingrained sectarianism for mo- for the most part because those people look at their life and they look at Stormont and do not feel like they are being offered anything um, by the politicians there. So I think the lack of cohesion, the lack of ability to keep Stormont up and running does feed sectarianism because it drives, we can't see that partnership working together in the news and in the government and then it drives everyone further into their corner when it comes to a stalemate and we know when it comes to a stalemate that exacerbates already social problems with debt, drug addiction, all that sort of stuff and as the poverty cycle continues so will sectarianism. Some people might say you're letting the middle class off the hook there Aoife. Oh no I'm absolutely saying uh, that is not that is not what I mean. I'm not saying that middle class people aren't sectarian because they absolutely are. Um, I'm not saying that but I do think um for instance, you will, when you will see a lot higher crime rates, for instance, in more depri- de- deprived areas, um, that's just a fact of everywhere in the world. So naturally, there's going to be more sectarian incidents as well because of that. Richard, there have always been sectarian incidents. Perhaps there always will be to one degree or the other. I wonder, however, but if if we're not being slightly myopic about this, Sectarian incidents may be the symptom of something greater. You know what we would have considered, I suppose, sectarianism in an institutional sense, in terms of discrimination, in terms of opportunity, in terms of perceptions. Do you think that that has faded away in any in any way, shape, or form over the last twenty five, fifty years? 
I think the the one thing it's hard to measure structural dis- discrimination because it, it it again it's it's so it's so multifaceted it's it, it expresses so many so many so many different ways, but I but I do think there's enough there for us to to say yes there's still a problem you know we still have sections of our community that are excluded and I think that Aoife makes makes a good point um, when she talks about you know. Poverty deprivation. It's not that that you know I, there are, there still are issues in all communities. Middle class doesn't matter, but but poverty and deprivation provide the kind of the kind of circumstances, the kind of fertile ground where 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 issues like sectarianism, paramilitarism can survive and prosper. That that gives people opportunities when people are excluded, when people don't have those opportunities, when maybe they're 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 lacking employment, they're lacking they're they're in a disadvantaged education system or whatever. I think it's just if, if well, they're more likely to be drawn to kind of paramilitary groups. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, they're more they're they're more they're more vulnerable. You know, if you're if you're somebody who's who's excluded, you're more vulnerable in terms of mm-hmm. if you're if you're fed up, you've nothing else to live for, you've nothing else in your life. It's a lot easier for you to get caught up in something that you might not otherwise. I've I've been in situations, bad situations in my life where I haven't been, and I've I've, I've made some bad decisions. You know that that if you're in a bad place, you're you know you're more you're more vulnerable. You know, and it's it, it, that's 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 it. that's the reality of life. I think, but and I think as well, I would just say, and like I I am. I assume most people in Northern Ireland um, are like this, and I would assume people, a lot of people who say they're not, are lying. There is a lot of unlearning um, that we have to do, even as young people. Like I'm only in my early thirties, but I had to do like a serious amount of unlearning of sectarian attitudes, and I didn't grow up in a political house or sectarian house. My granddad is a Protestant, but through school and the society you're brought up in, you do come away with certain prejudices that you kind of take in by osmosis you know I didn't learn that at home with mommy and daddy we never talked about Protestants or the other community but I learned it at school I remember in primary two or primary three I didn't know what a Protestant was and the wee girl who sat beside me said oh we hate them and I said why do they why do we hate them and she said because they hate us um and that's the sort of thing that you know you grew up and even if you grew up in the most progressive cross-community house I do think there's certain stereotypes and certain generalizations that you do need to unlearn. And I think it would be a lot easier for us to get past this if we could all admit to ourselves that we all have our own prejudices. And I didn't realize that I had those prejudices until I met other Protestant people of my own age from the different community. But I never met a Protestant until I was 16 you know, a Protestant of my own age because I went to Catholic primary school, I went to Catholic secondary school, I played GAA and went to Irish dancing. Where was I going to meet a Protestant in Derry? So I think we need to look at those types of factors and say, well, that is not good enough. I was born in 1991 and I didn't meet a Protestant until I was 16. That's not good enough. We should not be raising a society that way. And I do believe there are still people in my community who could go until they're 16 and not meet someone from the other community. So I think that not necessary. You might not think that you're sectarian, but that there is a low level hum of othering of the other community, which then when it hits poverty, deprivation and paramilitarism, that's already there. So that's already fertile ground for that to be mined by whoever wants to mine it. We all know from whatever, from whatever background you come from, that you will meet people and they're perhaps quite well off and they 
will believe themselves to suffer from no sectarianism and have no prejudice whatsoever. And they'll come out with something which will blow you away. Whatever, whatever, they will come out with something and they're completely unaware of how offensive you may or may not find that or how prejudicial that is or how maybe factually or historically or culturally ridiculous it is. So, I mean, I think that's something we all uh, experience. But if you said something there and it goes back to integration, so you said you played GAA and did Irish dancing. No, so so who who integrates with who? So is it is it is it that Protestants need to go to Irish dancing, or that you need to take up another dance? Maybe that's the problem. Hockey. (laughs) No, and that's that. That's the thing. You know, sports shouldn't be sectarian. Culture shouldn't be sectarian. There needs to be more integration from an early age. You know, and like we're only seeing that now with the kind of advent of the East Belfast GA and all across community kind of programs that we're seeing, you know, young people especially um, mixing. But like, it's it's 2023. This shouldn't even be a question anymore. So I'm not saying that people are making a mistake by sending their child to GAA or sending their child to hockey or Irish dancing or whatever else. But there needs to be, and the only way we can do this is through desegregating education. It is not good enough to say Catholics go to this school and Protestants go to this school from four years of age. And then it gets to the point when hate crimes, sectarian hate crimes are through the roof. And we're saying, oh, how did this happen? Of course it happened. We're segregating children from four years of age. It's no wonder that sectarian hate crimes still happen. Richard, do you feel that uh, integrated education is the key to this? Or is it just a factor? Or are there complications that we don't foresee. Listen, I think it's a huge factor. I think if you've got kids who don't meet someone from the other community until they maybe turn 18 or that they're in the workplace or they're in, in, in university, that's <clears throat> that's not good enough. That's a failure. Um, I think it's it's one of the biggest factors. I think we can we can sit all day long. And you know what it is? It's like, see, as an activist, I am constantly asked, will you call this out, call this out? And I try to show a lot of leadership and I take, take risks in doing so. I'm, I know a lot of other people do the same. And why... Why is it down to me to take risks to try and clean up the mess of politicians who can't see this when it's stern in in the face? The most basic of steps that we should have took 25 years ago for the Belfast Agreement, for 25 years ago at the agreement, we we should have been integrating children from then. We shouldn't have left it as vague as we did in the Belfast Agreement. And fair play to the people who actually got it into the Belfast Agreement about the need to facilitate and and encourage integration. But it hasn't hasn't been happening. And as you you rightly point, it's it's still upwards of 90% are are educated and, and segregated. And I know it's not... It's not quite that simple. I know there's still some percentage of, of 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 mixture in a lot of those schools, but it's 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 not. We need we need to think about this. We need we need to take this issue seriously. But I, I wonder when you say take the issue seriously, we can sit here on the third floor of the Belfast Telegraph, pontificating about uh, integrated education. But let me give you a scenario. Let me give you a scenario. Let's make it real. You're in, you're in out there in rural Ulster, and there's a small state school, small Protestant community surrounded. It's it's a minority community, so you want to integrate schools. I wonder that that community may say, "Well, we're entitled to our school, we're entitled to our culture," and you could say, "Right, you have to go into the next, you know, you have to integrate the next door school," and they're going to say, "Well, we're going to be a minority in that school," and for, plus the fact that they're going to be learning Irish dancing, they're going to be doing their sacraments, and they're going to be playing GAA, and I don't want that. 
So what do you say to that? What do you say to that parent? What do you say to that family? What do you say to that community? Because I didn't make that up. I'm just not naming the school. No, that's 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 that's, that's definitely an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, the the thing about the thing about addressing issues like segregation, even addressing issues like underachievement, is there's no one size fits all approach. So we need to bring people with us. You know, we you you can go and look at Boston, right? The Boston riots, which happened whenever there was desegregation attempts in the education system in Boston, right? And there were busing people to different schools primarily because they did, as you, as you said, they're in there were in, in areas where there was you know, entire black communities, entire white communities, and trying to mix those, as you said, there's some real practical difficulties there. So that's why we we need to take the issue seriously. And I mean, like, proper academics, getting people into a room and really thinking about it and, and working for it. But we can't let... We need to we need to address legitimate concerns no matter what you can as, as I always say you can't you can't afford to not address legitimate concerns in the context of a peace process and we need to listen to those and hear them out but ultimately we need we need to put you know we're we're, we're living in a society that is becoming more multicultural by the day by the week by the month by the year we we need a, an education system that provides for that an education system that mixes kids and i'm not sure if every if we're going to build it in every school maybe there will be one school in the country where there's going to be that level of fear and it's going to make things worse and we need to think about those riots that happened in boston it's not as simple as you know as 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 yeah we'll sort this out no problem but it 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 needs to be done regardless, and we need to find a way of doing it as as much as we can. It won't be perfect. We might not be able to get every every community up for this, but I think we need to push as hard as we can. And it's not going to happen if the political leadership isn't there. Aoife, Richard mm-hmm. mentioned legitimate concerns. I love that term, legitimate concerns, because you could just you could just change the adjective to sectarian concerns. Uh, so uh, no, I don't agree. So for what, just to go back to the example you gave there, now I when I talk about integrated education, I'm not talking about shoving twenty Catholic children into a Protestant school or twenty they are vice versa. What I am talking about is actual integration of schools. So it wouldn't just be that you know this school plays GAA. You need to across the board do different sports, different culture, teaching about different religions and different cultures. If you want to make your sacraments, that has to be a separate class for those who want to do it because there there has to be complete segregation and that has to, or sorry, integration. So that means, that doesn't mean just putting X amount of children in this sort of school that they wouldn't usually be in. I mean, complete integration. So that means a, a wide range, wide range of subjects, wide range of sports, wide range of dance and culture. And if there comes a religious sacraments, that can be the parent's choice. That doesn't have to be something that's done in school. It should be for everyone rather than for one community. It should be, for the most part, one size fits all in that there is no religion or no culture. Everyone gets the same education. And then on a case-by-case basis, whatever it may be, if you want to make sacraments or whatever else. But there is no, you can't say it's integrated education and then have children in a, a class making their first communion and 10 kids in that class not doing their first communion that's not what that's not what integration is just wondering to to another point for some commentators and for some in the alliance party for example everyone except alliance and a few others are sectarian we sort of discussed that that we're all slightly sectarian. Do you think that there are people in the middle who can really say that they're not sectarian? Can anybody really get away with that? I think it's it's 
as I said, I, I think there's very few, if any, people that don't have some sort of, they have their own view in the world. We all have our own background. As I said, uh, you know, we, we're, we're all, maybe we all have our underlying biases, our own underlying prejudices, whatever, you know. Um, but I'm cautious when I'm talking about alliance because alliance, um, you know, firstly, I, th- I think, I think yeah, it does need to be recognised. There are people in alliance who I think do. They even look down. I think some people look down on, on part and sections of my community, and I take issue with yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. But 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 the other side of it is that alliance right now. I mean, we've just seen Michael Long was assaulted. We saw him threatened yesterday, um, and I'm going to be very cautious about how I talk about them. Um, people, people in our community, people in my community, are labelled an alliance Republican and nationalist on a daily basis just because. Their opinions aren't again. They're out of step with our community, so we're going to just throw them in and lump them together. And I, I, I have a real issue with that. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's basically you're painting a target on their back at this point. I think that it's sectarian to label someone as a nationalist because you strongly disagree with them. I understand that there's a lot of legitimate concerns around the lands. For example, I wasn't happy with their position on the protocol on the backstop. I, I did thought it was one sided, but ultimately. They had their reasons. They 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 were able to justify them. We can't expect everyone to jump and and back us up just because we feel we're right. It, it's alliance are entitled to their opinions, and we need to stop demonizing them. Not only, not only because it's it's a horrible thing to do to put someone in that situation, especially like somebody's going to get hurt. You're talking about Michael Long was assaulted. He's been threatened. That's not good enough. We cannot have a society where people can't express their opinions or run for office without feeling threatened. That's not that's not acceptable. I have to say, Richard, and I'm very interested about your analysis because apart from yourself, I've never heard it. Uh, and that's, I'm not dishing it in any way, but your idea that you can be sectarian against people whom other people would assume are part of your own community. And that's quite kind of all-encompassing and, 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 and I wouldn't say unique, obviously, but it is an idea that I never really, it never, it hasn't occurred, it hasn't occurred to me. Aoife, is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't asked you, do you think? Or is there anything we should have brought up that we haven't brought up? The only thing I would say is the single out alliance party to say, you know, everyone accept alliance um, as a sectarian. I don't really necessarily think it's an alliance thing. I think there's a lot of classism um, when it comes um, to certain sections of society. I think they see sectarianism as a working class problem, that they look down on, you know, loyalist communities and Republican communities as, you know, because they, um, like, if you're not from the Malone Road or wherever else, they kind of look down on as if, like, sectarianism is, like, a working class problem when we know that's absolutely not the case. Um, So I don't necessarily think it's Alliance is saying, and I don't think Alliance have ever said that everyone else is sectarian and they are not. I think sometimes when we talk about politics, and I live in Dublin, so when they talk about politics down here, I think they very much see Alliance as the adults in the room. Um, when it comes to these things, you know, they're a happy medium. They're the Liberal Democrats. They're, you know, in the middle of the big bad green and orange. Um, but I think for most part in the North, most people know um, it's more nuanced than that. You know, Alliance is a very broad church when it comes to the type of people they attract. Um, and it's funny, you know, where Richard's saying people say, you know, in his community, all Alliance, you know, they're nationalists. Whereas in parts of my community, people would say, well, Alliance, you know, they're basically the DUP, Bowie Nicer policies. <laughs> So they can't win. That's the other thing, you know. Um, people are going to say, Richard's completely right. People are going to see in them what they want to see in them if they don't agree. If they, if the Alliance Party don't agree with your opinion. Richard, Aoife, thank you very much for joining us. 
This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound designed by Graham Davidson. Clips from AP, RTE, UTV, BBC, Channel 4 and Sky. You can't beat the sound of a contented cat. That's why veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Because he knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. And our premium cat food is designed to satisfy even the most finicky eaters. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland.